Hey everybody, I'm Phil Albertelli and this is The Week in Doubt, episode 208. A quick correction before we start, not a factual error, just an example of yours truly mangling the Queen's English. Hey, she's not my queen. I was listening back to the special I did on the Gnostics, and near the end I mentioned how the Gospel of Judas was written in Coptic. I have a long-standing fascination, by the way, with uh, Coptic Christianity, and I think I remember someone saying uh, once that supposedly the use of the Coptic language in Coptic liturgical services, or however you want to put it, is probably as close as we can get to hearing the language of the pharaohs. Coptic is supposedly the last stage in the development of the language of ancient Egypt. But anyway, I described it as the ancient Egyptian language of Coptic instead of the ancient Egyptian language known as Coptic or whatnot. Not sure why that wording sounded right to me and still does for some reason. Probably some weird idiosyncratic thing inside my broken head. <laughs> Reminds me of how when I was a little kid, I used to think the phrase or saying was to make front of someone instead of make fun of someone which made a strange kind of sense to my child mind, because usually when someone was making fun of someone, they were in front of them. I like to think that I'm a relatively intelligent and insightful human being, but nevertheless, I still think there might be a couple of broken gears or cross wires inside the old noggin. But hey, maybe we're all a little off in our own way. Anyway... I was going to say time to do some news stories, but I have so much to say about this first story that it's most likely just going to be one news story. Recently, the Temple of Satan moved its headquarters to my home state, Massachusetts, more specifically Salem, which seems rather fitting. The Satanic Temple, if you're not familiar, practices a kind of non-theistic strain of Satanism, Similar in a way to the Levian Satanism practiced by the Church of Satan, founded by the late Anton Zander LeVay, non-theistic Satanists are essentially atheists who embrace Satan as a metaphor for rebellion, independence, personal freedom, free thought, etc., etc., the Temple of Satan, far more so than the Church of Satan, I would say, really focuses heavily on social activism. They do a lot to try to safeguard the separation of church and state and to try to ensure a fair and equal treatment of all religions by the government. And often they do so by resorting to what some might regard as shock tactics. Some might even be tempted to call it satanic trolling. Uh, but personally, I find their methods both highly entertaining and effective in the sense that they do draw attention to the separation of church and state or establishment clause issues. Not that long ago, in response to a monument of the Ten Commandments that had been erected or placed outside the Oklahoma State Capitol building, they publicly launched a campaign to have a statue of the goat-headed Baphomet uh, erected alongside it. They performed a quote-unquote pink mass on the grave of Fred Phelps's uh, mother in an attempt to promote LGBT rights and denounce the anti-gay bigotry of Phelps and his notorious Westboro Baptist Church. Let's see. Ah, uh, yes. In response to an Orange County School Board decision that allowed the dissemination of religious literature in schools, I think specifically 
that allowed an evangelical group to distribute Bibles, while on the other hand, they tried to bar or censor the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Uh, so in response, the Satanic Temple decided to distribute satanic coloring books to students. Yeah, so arguably some over-the-top yet wildly entertaining stunts. Yet at the same time, I think what they're doing is important, and as distasteful as some might find it, they do a great job of bringing attention to religious hypocrisy and infringements on the principle of the separation of church and state. And sadly, I think many miss the point. Their knee-jerk reaction is to get offended, and the message regarding the importance of the separation of church and state goes right over their heads. I was actually just watching a video on YouTube of Lucian Greaves, the founder or co-founder of the Temple of Satan, giving a speech at the 2015 American Atheist National Convention. I believe his birth name is Doug Mesner, doesn't have quite the same ring, but anyway, uh, a really smart and well-spoken guy. I thought I had read that prior to founding the Temple of Satan, he had actually been studying neuroscience at Harvard. On a more superficial note, I couldn't help but notice he has one kind of strange or milky-looking eye. I think one source claimed he was blind in one eye, but my first assumption was that he was probably doing the Marilyn Manson thing and wearing a contact. But who knows? If it is an actual medical affliction, I apologize. Mia culpa. Maybe I'll play a clip of him talking about what they're all about, the figure of nature of their ideology, and so on. Hello, I'm Lucian Greaves, and I'm an internationally recognized religious figurehead. <laughs> if you look me up and you look up some of the interviews and exp expositions written about uh, people trying to make sense of what we're doing and what we actually believe, you'll often find reference to an interview I did in Vice where the question was, is the Satanic Temple a satanic or satirical group? And I said, that is a common question. I say, why can't it be both? And usually they use this line to show that we don't actually have any sincerity about us at all, that um, this is all one big prank, a hoax, and that uh, uh, the Satanism component doesn't mean anything to us at all. And I think it comforts a lot of people in this room to also think that as well. But as a matter of fact, there's nothing disingenuous in what we're doing. Um, the values we put forward are values we absolutely adhere to. We're very uh, clear at the fact that we're atheistic and that we feel that religion and supernaturalism can be separated from one another, and we feel that it only benefits us as non-believers that it is separated. Usually when worse comes to worse, when you're arguing with, uh, with the theistic crowd, they're going to hide the, uh, the superstition of their religion behind uh, the components that we feel are completely legitimate, the cultural identity, the symbolic structure, the narrative construct that gives people a sense of meaning. Um, CBS in Miami went ahead and said, the group's name, the Satanic Temple, is simply to draw attention to its efforts. And one of the worst was Tucker Carlson on Fox News talking about uh, an incident where we actually got a Satanic holiday display to place in, in Florida. And, yeah. A lot of people were upset about that, but Tucker Carlson took to the air and said uh, to his guests, so I'm assuming that there aren't a ton of Satanists in Tallahassee, I'm assuming there really aren't any at all, and this is purely an attempt to stick a finger in the eye of Christians in Florida. Is that correct? 
And you'd wonder who he's asking this question to. Surely it should be uh, a spokesperson for the Satanic Temple. But no, it was a pastor, um, a Christian pastor named Derek McGee, who also took it upon himself to elaborate on, on exactly where the Satanic Temple was coming from. And he said, that would be correct, Tucker. It is definitely a ploy and a scheme and a mockery of those of us who are believers in Christ Jesus. Anyways, they don't go on uh, to quote the full, uh, the full answer I gave to Vice. I said, this is a common question. I say, why can't it be both? And then I continued to elaborate. We are coming from a solid philosophy that we absolutely believe in and adhere to. This is Satanism, and to us it couldn't be called anything other than Satanism. However, our metaphor of Satan is a literary construct inspired by authors such as Anatole France and Milton, a rebel angel defiant of autocratic structure and concerned with the material world. Satanism as a rejection of superstitious supernaturalism. This Satan, of course, bears no resemblance to the embodiment of all cruelty, suffering, and negativity believed by some apocalyptic segments of, Ju of the Judeo-Christian culture. The word Satan has no inherent value. If one acts with compassion in the name of Satan, one is still acted with compassion. Our very presence as civic-minded, socially responsible Satanists serves to satirize the ludicrous superstitious fears that the word Satan tends to evoke. And that's how we see it. And it, whereas the word Satan may have no inherent value, um, it has a lot of cultural value. And that means a lot to certain people when they're coming out of their religion, um, usually at a young age, and they embrace blasphemy. And for lack of a better word, that becomes a, a transcendent, rather religious, spiritual experience of, of, of its own. And they, they embrace that outsider status, and they embrace the the heresy, this kind of lineage of heresy from which the symbolism and idea of Satanism was derived from the outsiders, the outcasts who've been burned, beaten, and turned into pariahs. We feel it's somewhat our duty to take on that name and, and, uh, and take away this idea that anything that opposes the supernatural, moralistic, uh, so-called majority must necessarily be entirely evil. Satanism accurately suggests that we genuinely do not give a shit if our values contradict the archaic Levitican laws or whatever else. So that comes into play when we uh, argue for atheistic religion, of course, when, uh, and we started pushing forward uh, the rights for such. When he was talking about young people indulging or engaging in blasphemy while moving away from or growing out of their religious upbringing, something about that resonated with me. I remember back in my teens when I really started to lose the last, you know, final vestiges of my faith. I did engage in blasphemy. I think part of it might be, and I have jokingly mentioned this on the show before, that as paradoxical as it sounds, in a way I was mad at God for not existing. I think another factor might be that when you start to realize how man-made and oppressive the religion you were indoctrinated into is, you perhaps rightfully feel some resentment and want to kind of throw off the yoke. But also another possibility might be that it's just kind of a guilty thrill to say something forbidden or that you've been told not to. Uh, maybe kind of like the first time you swear, you get a forbidden thrill out of it and it becomes kind of addictive. 
I remember back in middle school or early high school, I was probably around 13 or 14. My best friend at the time and I were a couple of punk kids, concert t-shirts, denim jackets, etc. And we always used to joke about Satan. I don't think we actually believed in or, or we definitely didn't worship the devil. We just knew that merely chucking around the word Satan was deemed inappropriate and we got a thrill out of it. We eventually got called to the office of, I think she was either the assistant vice principal or assistant principal, something like that. Miss or Mrs. Abadi. She was known for being this kind of ferocious dragon lady, but for some reason she was pretty calm and good-natured about the whole thing. And from what I can remember, tried to gently persuade us to stop going around saying Satan. And I think my friend, who I'll keep uh, anonymous, uh, actually had the wherewithal to bring up religious freedom or something like that. Not sure how it went over, but suffice to say, we still went around saying Satan. In fact, there was this teacher we were cool with named Mr. McRae. Uh, I shit you not, he was the spitting image of a uh, young Neil Young. Young Neil Young. Um, that with a twist of Neanderthal, or Neanderthal, tomato, tomato. But come to think of it, Neil Young actually kind of does look like a caveman. But Mr. McRae was really cool, and I think somehow he was friendly with my best friend's family or something, or maybe knew my best friend's older brother. Anyway, he used to joke around about Satan with us. We had this youngish female teacher I used to kind of have a crush on named Miss DeBella. Turns out she was a religious... My friend and I were sitting in her class, and McRae pops in um, on some kind of official teacher business or something, <laughs> but looks at us wide-eyed and points, and in a loud church lady voice says, It's Satan! Or maybe he said, Could it be Satan? Or something like that. Miss DeBella broke into tears and rushed out of the classroom. Uh, she had once told my parents at a parent-teacher conference that I had been drawing satanic imagery on the back of my tests. Funny thing is, to me, it wasn't satanic. I've been drawing as long as I can remember, and I've always, for some reason or another, liked drawing mythical creatures, fantastical beasts, dragons, werewolves, and perhaps what could be called demons, in fairness to Mr. Bella. Lots of things with sharp teeth and lolling tongues. My parents were very used to the type of stuff I tended to draw, so they didn't take her complaint too seriously. I've always wondered if there was a reason why I tended to draw stuff like that. Fierce, even demonic-looking uh, beasts, etc. I thought I read an article once that suggested there could be a psycho-emotional reason why children draw monsters, emotional trauma, repressed anger, or whatever. In all honesty, my home life could be pretty rocky. But then again, uh, the human imagination has probably been populated with such creatures since time immemorial. But yeah, saying Satan seemed more addictive than cigarettes. To be honest, I uh, can't remember how we stopped. Probably just outgrew it, I guess. Now that I think about it, it kind of reminds me of the inappropriate thrill I get from listening to bands like Ghost. But yeah, I can remember doing some pretty quote-unquote blasphemous stuff. I might still have the doodle, uh, but I'll have to look for it. When I was in my late teens or early 20s, I drew a sketch of Frederick Nietzsche, or Nietzsche, once again, tomato, tomato, hammering a nail through Jesus' scrotum. Yep, I, I just said that. I, I think it was meant to be somewhat comical, and I remember Jesus had this big cartoony look on his face, like someone just dropped an anvil on his toe, bulging eyes, tongue streaming out, etc., 
I still feel conflicted over it as if there's a small superstitious sliver somewhere in the back of my brain saying, uh-oh, you did it now. What if the big guy's real? He's watching and you've gone too far. If only it were true, as I've said ad infinitum, I wanted to believe, but alas, my reason eroded my faith. Also, there was this church with a big hill behind it where all the kids used to go sledding in the winter as opposed to sledding in the summer. On top of the hill was, or, or technically it's, you know, it's still there, this big statue of a crucified Christ. Everyone was going up and down sledding. And meanwhile, I grabbed Jesus's knees and started doing pull-ups. Is that uh, blasphemous? If Jesus were real, he'd probably be all about fitness and healthy living. Anyway, I had a, a couple of devout Christian friends, and suffice to say, my blasphemous hijinks didn't always go over very well. Did I go too far in admitting the Nietzsche thing? I'm just imagining a mass exodus of subscribers. Um, I knew I had another interesting clip I wanted to play. It's of Lucian Greaves being interviewed by Fox News' Megyn Kelly. The first time I watched, I thought she came off as extremely rude and condescending. When I watched it back a second time, my opinion of her attitude softened a bit, and it seemed like maybe she was just surprised or confused as to why someone would want to be a Satanist. And I think this is because most people tend to be unfamiliar with the idea of non-theistic Satanism. So she probably thought this was some dude who literally believes in and worships the devil. Even if that were the case, though, theistic Satanists should have the same religious protections and freedoms as the rest of us. But here we go. Let me know what you think. Well, a group of Satanists is tonight claiming victory after a court told the state of Oklahoma to remove a monument to the Ten Commandments from the state capitol. Before the ruling, the Satanists wanted to install their own tribute, a pagan idol showing a bearded goat, something like this, on the capitol grounds right next to the Ten Commandments. Joining us now, Randy Brogdon, who's a former Oklahoma state senator who authored the bill to install the Ten Commandments monument. Also, Lucian Graves, Spokesman for the Satanic Temple, we will begin with Lucian. All right, Lucian. So is it like Lucian, as in Lucifer? Is that where is that why you're called that? Sure, as you like. <laughs> as you like. I don't like. Is that your birth name? No, it's not. Okay. So, what is it that first drew you to the Satanic Temple? Well, I, I helped co-found the Satanic Temple. Why? Uh, why? Because it, it is an embodiment of my deeply held beliefs, and I think there's a s distinct need for a counterbalance against uh, the dominant religious privilege in America today. What are the deeply held beliefs that drew you to the Satanic Temple? Well, we have seven tenets. You can look them up online, but in, uh, essentially we view uh, Satan as a symbolic embodiment of the ultimate uh, rebel against tyranny. Okay, so now you're, you're happy because you got the Ten Commandments taken down, but do you, are you still pushing to have the goat with the horns and so on put up on the state capitol grounds? No, we, we don't want our monument there without the Ten Commandments there. Um, the point uh, all along was that it would complement and contrast the Ten Commandments and reaffirm that we live in a pluralistic nation that respects uh, diversity and religious liberty. But the thing with the, you know, the, the horns and so on, the, the Ten Commandments goes up because not only does it have some religious meaning, but it has historical meaning too. I mean, would you acknowledge that about the Ten Commandments? 
Well, I would, uh, well, yes, if you would acknowledge that Baphomet has historical uh, meaning as the well. Baphomet it is the goat back, with the, uh, yeah. The image it. at least goes back to the 19th century. It's at least as old as Mormonism in any case. Okay, so let's say it does, but do you acknowledge that about the Ten Commandments? So there's nothing, you have no problem with the Ten Commandments standing there uh, next to your devil figure, right? That's correct. So long as uh, multiple points of view are allowed, um, there's nothing wrong with a religious monument being up. But uh, that really wasn't the argument that Oklahoma was making. They were saying that it wasn't a religious monument and that it, uh, the Ten Commandments monument served a secular purpose, which is outright false. Well, they the U.S. Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court found that. I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court has already ruled that the Ten Commandments, that the displays not only have a religious significance, but also a historical one. Well, you're talking a different type of issue because in Oklahoma, they were ruling by the state constitution, not the federal constitution. I know, so it's but an entirely it's, different issue. If you're talking Texas, it's a moot point. It's not that different, but you're right. No, it's Texas, entirely different. In, in we're Tex talking different constitutions. I, I've looked at we're them both. We're talking state constitution versus federal constitution. I, I know. So I looked at them both. I practiced law for like a decade, too, so I, I, I did read them and see... A lot of similar words. Lucian, thank you. Good luck to you. And, and, I, taught you, and I taught you that there was a separation between the, uh, that there was a difference between the federal constitution and the state constitution. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right. Good to see you. Nah, she still comes off as condescending. And I'm wondering, uh, when they're talking about the quote-unquote historical significance of the Ten Commandments, do they or does she mean just in U.S. history? Are they trying to say that and I, I say they because there's other people trying to make the same argument are they trying to say that Moses and the Exodus story are grounded in fact as far as I'm aware scholars aren't even sure if Moses ever even existed I don't even think there's really any archaeological evidence to support the idea that the ancient Hebrews were ever enslaved by the Egyptians even if they were they definitely didn't build the pyramids uh, the timeline's all wrong I did a whole show on this subject a year or two ago, if anyone feels like digging through the Podbean archives. Sadly, I think I've already forgotten a lot of what I had learned while researching the episode. But anyway, so last week I briefly touched on some of the drama or infighting in the mythicist community, and now, wouldn't you know, it turns out that not even the enlightened temple of Satan is free of drums, as the kids like to say. Do the kids still actually say drums? I was watching an interview that quote-unquote man-cow had done with Lucian Greaves and another bigwig at the Temple of Satan. And man-cow's an interesting figure. He reminds me of if Howard Stern and Alex Jones gave birth to a mentally challenged love child. Uh, anyway, the other guy's name was Brian Werner, not to be confused with Brian Warner, a.k.a. Marilyn Manson. And he seemed like a really good, kind of upbeat, down-to-earth guy. He seemed to get along well with Lucian, and it was a fun interview. Then I eventually found Brian Werner's official YouTube channel while watching related videos, and he had published this rather kind of serious, weighty video where he resigns from the Temple of Satan. He displayed a markedly different attitude from what could be seen in the man-cow video. He came across as very kind of unpleasant and disgruntled. Not saying there's anything wrong with that. We all experience a range of moods. 
But I think the gist of his grievance was that he thought the temple was headed in the wrong direction and becoming too much of a leftist social activist organization. That's actually one of the things I really like about the Temple of Satan. I like that they're performing pink masses and fighting to protect or maintain the separation of church and state. And as an atheist, I obviously like how they put a strong emphasis on the atheistic aspect or component of their organization. But I can see where people like Brian Werner are coming from. If you're a theistic Satanist, Werner claims he's not an atheist, or even just an old school Levain Satanist who places a strong emphasis on all this might equals right stuff, I can see how you might see where the Temple of Satan is going and say, hey, this isn't what I signed on for. I think he also took issue with some of the chapter heads that had been arbitrarily chosen without his input and how they didn't seem to take their role seriously enough. And what I was referring to when I mentioned that might equals right stuff is that Levain Satanism holds this kind of Darwinian survival of the fittest kind of view. In fact, Anton Levay was influenced by a 19th century book entitled Might is Right or The Survival of the Fittest, written by someone using the pen name Ragnar Redbeard. Lucian Greaves has spoken openly about how that's a key difference between the Church of Satan and his Temple of Satan, that his group denounces that kind of social Darwinian stuff about might equals right to hell with the weak, etc., and I'm glad they do. Early on in the show's history, I actually did an episode called The Dark Side of Atheism, in which I talk about Ayn Rand and certain elements in the Church of Satan. I think we're social animals. We're at least partially wired for things like group solidarity, empathy, altruism, cooperation, etc. And to me, the idea that anyone can stand completely alone or on their own without needing anyone's help is a pipe dream. And ironically, I think it's typically the fantasy of those who feel a deficit of power. They wish they could cut a swath through the world like some unstoppable Conan the Barbarian or something. And I can definitely relate to that fantasy, but in reality, everyone has to answer the someone. And no matter how big and bad or self-reliant you think you are, you still have to turn to others for help at times. You still have to rely on doctors, firefighters. And living in a capitalistic society, you either need an employer, or even if you're your own independent businessman, like Brian Werner uh, talks about how he's his own boss and how he owns several companies, you still need customers and employees. Uh, unless you're some hermit or mountain man or something, uh, you know, completely removed from civilization, we all depend on others and are part of a connected web of human interaction and cooperation. I think there is something of value in the teachings of Levain Satanism. I think self-reliance and unrepentantly embracing one's self-worth, not allowing yourself to be a doormat, not feeling guilty for enjoying uh, the earthly pleasures of life. These are good things, but they can be taken too far. Uh, I like having empathy and compassion. I think it makes me a happier and more whole human being. And even though I'm not really a joiner, nevertheless, I also like the idea of being a social animal who realizes the importance of solidarity and group cooperation. But in closing, I was jokingly thinking to myself, I wonder who has it worse, atheists or Satanists? 
uh, Christians who are unaware of the concept of non-theistic Satanism, who think that all Satanists actually worship Satan, um, can't really blame them too much for that one. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if they think, hmm, yeah, those Satanists are pretty bad, but at least they recognize a spiritual dimension. Those godless atheists, on the other hand, they don't believe in anything. Ah, uh, who knows? Atheists, we can't catch a break. Uh, but anyways, uh, thanks for listening, guys. You know the drill. Um, please like the Facebook page, follow the show on Twitter, check out the YouTube channel. Maybe you're doing that now. If you are watching on YouTube, please uh, like, comment, subscribe, all that jazz. Hopefully it will help grow the podcast. If you want to help the show out monetarily, you can do so by using the PayPal widget at the bottom of the Podbean page. There's that alliteration. Or you can go to patreon.com slash doubt and become a patron of the show for as little as 99 cents a month and quit anytime you want. All right. Thanks, brothers and sisters. Until next week. Here I say to prayer, our Here I say to prayer, for the coming of sea.